Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Talking Points. I'm your host, Brian Kelly. And today, we've got a very special guest. He is a friend and a mentor to me. And I guess technically, actually not technically, he is my boss, Rick Elias is the co-founder and CEO of Red Ventures. And if you've never heard about Red Ventures, you're about to learn exactly what we do. And they now own the Points Guy. Rick also has a really interesting past as an ultra-frequent traveler and was on one of the most historic flights in history. He was on US Airways Flight 1549 that went into the Hudson. So we're going to hear all about that. Rick, thank you so much for joining us today. Let's get to know you. So you were born in Puerto Rico. Born and raised. I actually moved to the U.S. to come to college and fell in love with this country. So I love two countries now. Every Puerto Rican that I meet is ultra proud. What yeah. is it like to be Puerto Rican? You know, it, it is such a tiny island. It's 100 miles times 35 and it's very insular. Mm -hmm. And like a lot of people think that Puerto Rico is like the center of the world. And out of that comes great pride in being Puerto Rican, which is a beautiful thing. You know, mm -hmm. people are very passionate. They're Latin. They wear their emotions in their sleeves. It's just a really warm culture, and it's, it's a beautiful place. You have lived across the country. You lived for a period of time in Japan. I hear you were concierge key for American Airlines, but they recently kicked you out. Oh, that's a good story. Not to embarrass you. But. <laughs> so I got like 2.5 million miles in American, and it's because I was doing this monthly trip to Tokyo when I was, you know, in my early 20s. It was a great place. Did you pick up place. the language when you were there? You know, I still it's struggle really with English. <laughs> so I, <laughs> Spanish is a yeah. lot easier. So I learned enough to be dangerous. Yeah. I could order a beer and not get lost in a taxi, but that was about it. So Puerto Rico has changed a lot, I'm sure, since you grew up there, especially with Hurricane Maria, which really devastated the island. Has Puerto Rico recovered? I flew in right after, and seeing Puerto Rico naked was something that I will never forget. You know, all the trees were gone, and like you could see things that you could never see mm -hmm. before. And I had this feeling of like the rebirth of Puerto Rico. Uh, if you go back now, not only does the island look back mm -hmm. to normal, but I think finally most things, most services are back up to speed, notwithstanding the complete political meltdown that yeah. we've had there in the last you With know three, two months three governors yeah, three governors in a in a couple week period yeah, and i'm not sure we're done yeah you know so you as a successful puerto rican entrepreneur you did a lot for the island i think one of the most interesting things is the program 787 that you started at Red Ventures as a way to rebuild the island in a long-term form. Yeah, so just quickly, when, when the hurricane happened, I got a lot of friends calling and saying, hey, we, we want to help, and you're the one Puerto Rican we know, so you know whatever you do, we'll do. And eventually, we launched a campaign called Rebuild Puerto Rico. We built 42 homes for working families that were not going to get their homes replaced, and it was really neat to do that, but flying back uh, from one of those trips, I realized that if I really wanted to help Puerto Rico, I needed to figure out a way to open up our platform and help 
talent returned to Puerto Rico. You know, Puerto Rico has had a massive brain drain. There were 4 million Puerto Ricans, and now the island has about 3.1, 3.2. So, And is that is. after Maria? Because I know even after Maria, there was an even bigger rush out. Yeah, the, the stats are not clear. A lot yeah. of people left. Many have come back. But, you know, the population of Puerto Rico is expected to dip below 3 million oh, in wow. the next five years. So it's a massive issue when you have that kind of brain drain. And some of the key reasons for people leaving, is it mostly opportunity and, and jobs? Or is it just the whole infrastructure that's pretty much decrepit or? You know, it is opportunity. It's a long history there, but there's really very little local industry in Puerto Rico. There was this 936 laws where it created a lot of manufacturing jobs. Those got phased out about 15 years ago. So companies stopped investing in infrastructure and jobs left. Puerto Rico has been in a recession for over a decade. So wow. while we have enjoyed this massive boom time all over the world, yeah. Puerto Rico has been in a massive recession. And I think because we're U.S. citizens, when you're born there, it's really easy to get on a plane. And mm -hmm. many people have family you know, here or in Orlando or in other places. So it becomes a, a much easier immigration story than mm -hmm. it will be in other countries where it's not as easy. So your idea to rebuild Puerto Rico is to invest in, incentivize people to return to the island. And you know, the 787 program is the vehicle to do that. It's been really neat. So on that plane ride, I said, you know what, if I'm honest with myself, this is the time. And we made an announcement that we would train Puerto Ricans in Charlotte for 15 months. And we will send them back with real capital and some digital assets and start building a real digital economy there. And it's been fabulous. The first cohort of 35 is going back mm -hmm. this December. And so are we employing them or is the goal for us to get them in with other companies? So the first phase is they're going to move back with some of our smaller digital assets that they will run out of there. And then we're going to look at opportunities to start from there, mm -hmm. including some stuff in tourism. I there think Puerto Rico, yeah, there's yeah. a tech hub, too, in San Juan, right? Like before Maria, there were a lot of crypto startups. And I remember hearing about a lot of people were moving businesses there. It's neat. There's a startup community there. It just needs an ecosystem. Mm -hmm. You know, a startup community that doesn't have kind of the next layer of infrastructure and investment. It's hard mm -hmm. for it to grow. But I think Puerto Rico is on the right track in that dimension. I know one of the things we keep hearing from our readers is doing TPG in Espanol. So maybe uh, we'll have to start that uh, group in the Puerto Rico office once that opens. Are we taking more people in 787? Have we taken everyone? If, if people listening know people who are yeah. interested, is there a way to apply or so the next cohort four will start in april so right now we're looking for others that want to apply it's very competitive it's very hard to get mm -hmm. in and then it will have a class for college graduates in late summer it's a paid position. You work at Red Ventures. I know at the Points Guy, we've had 787 cohorts, and yeah. the level of energy that they bring to the business is is amazing. I remember even recently, your birthday, there was a whole Puerto Rican celebration, yeah. some drums. It was amazing. You know, they're, um, they're so passionate about the island, and they're super smart. They're as capable as anybody that we have in our platform, but they're super passionate about Puerto Rico, and I think that passion... It's what we're trying to ignite, and mm -hmm. going back home will be the beginning of a long journey back. I think we can become a role model of what can happen in the future, make talent stay on the island or retain mm -hmm. to the island. And the most important thing is this. Puerto Rico is inside of the U.S. in terms of you know its borders, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So serving the U.S. market versus serving Puerto Rico is the key to success. Mm -hmm. How do we base digital businesses in Puerto Rico? All right, let's take a quick break right here. BRB. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I highly recommend Rick has a TED Talk. The three things I learned when my plane crashed. And Rick was on one of the most historic flights in history. He was on U.S. Airways Flight 1549 that went into the Hudson. So you were on that flight. Charlotte, New York was your, you had been doing that route for a long time, right? Right. right. So it was, it was the ultimate gift, Brian, uh, to basically have 90 seconds to mm. say goodbye to your life hmm. uh, with 100% certainty that you're going to die. Not 90%. You, you're either going to blow up or break into pieces. It's January 15th in New York City. It's cold as can be. I was heading back home to Charlotte. It was about 3 o'clock. And so you have 90 seconds. I was in a great seat because yeah. I can see the flight attendants. So as, as in 1D, right? In 1D. And as, as soon as uh, Sully said, you know, brace for impact, it was terror in their eyes. Yeah. So I knew it was over. It, yeah. it was, life was over. And it's amazing what happens when you're not suffering, mm-hmm. you're not struggling, but you know it's over. So you take off, and it's what, you know, right as you're taking off, yeah, we were did you about, hear the birds go in? Yeah, like it was it about was sh- 4,000 or so feet up in the air. There's a massive explosion, almost like a pipe bomb. Oh, so it was loud. Yeah, like completely. We turned around immediately. There yeah. was smoke in the cabin. But so you can see front. Manhattan, yeah. right? You can see that we turned. So, yeah. you know, at best, I th- you know, everybody knew something happened to yeah. an engine. No one knew it was both engines, and no one knew that we couldn't start it. Being in row one, you could see the flight attendants. So that was the first thing you hear from the captain. And the same first thing they hear. And that in their training, what you find out is that means we are not landing at a runway. So there's about two minutes before he says anything. And, and when you look at all the records, you know, they were trying yeah. to restart the engines, and they couldn't. Yeah. And they were trying to decide, you know, do they go back to LaGuardia? So they got clearance in LaGuardia. They yeah, couldn't they land. Can, they got clearance in Teterboro. Yeah. You have two beautiful children. I think your daughter was in, what, first grade at the time. In those minutes of fate, the number one thing you're just thinking about is your family. You know, kind of as we're coming down, and, and I'm counting down in my head, you travel enough, mm-hmm. and you know when you're going to hit, even if you don't yeah. see the runway, right? You just have this feeling. You can yeah. feel it. Were you trying? Were people trying to use their cell phones? I, yeah, I was in first row. I had a brand new cell phone, and I could not get connection. So my thing is spinning and spinning and spinning. And then I, at some point, I just put it down. Yeah. And uh, I remember grabbing my arm and saying to myself, I love you, and thinking to myself, I just wish I could see my kids grow up. That really was the only thing that I was going to miss. I was really sad. I didn't want to die. But it wasn't scary, which in itself hmm. was clarifying. And I remember calling. We were in a ferry that was picked us up, and someone lent me a phone. And by then, my wife had found out that oh, I was on that plane. She thought I was dead. She's in the oh, pediatrician. She can't think straight. And I call from a strange number. She thinks it's the police calling to oh, tell her, gosh. hey, your husband or something, right? And I call and say, hey, honey, I'm okay. And, you know, massive scream. And I could hear my kids crying. And So at the TPG Awards this past year, we invited Sully, and you gave an amazing speech. What was it like to meet Sully? Because that was the first time since that day. Did you even see him on the river? He was taken elsewhere, like after the crash. No, I did see him oh, on the river. So we ended up in the same side. And after a while, I see him standing by himself. He still is kind of pretty dressed, pretty sharp. Like he, he's, he is. You guys were in the same boat off this side? We, we ended up in the same pier. I'm not sure we yeah, were in the yeah. same boat. So I went to him and said, I didn't know his name at the time. I said, Captain, 
I introduced myself, and I said, I just want to thank you for saving our lives. And, you know, he said something to me that I say to myself all the time when someone thanks me for something. And you know what he said? He said, I was just doing my job. And I often think, you know, if we, if we just viewed our success as, as a responsibility to do our jobs mm-hmm. and not as a privilege, I think, you know, life will be a little better for everybody. That's great. Um, and you actually got on a plane that night. You know, it's, <laughs> it's so funny because a lot of people are like, I was, I, I went up and said, hey, when is the next flight? And they're like, oh my God, he got hit in the <laughs> head. Insane. What happened to him? And I said, you know, the way I figured yeah. out was really simple is yeah. if I don't get on this flight, I may never get on a flight. And if I get on this flight and it goes down, yeah. it was me God was coming to see. So what are the odds? Oh, and if wow. I get on this flight and it goes down and I survive again, so and Oprah really Winfrey has nothing on me. from the Hudson back to LaGuardia? Oh, yeah. And I, they t- took us to a hotel. And at the hotel, I'm like, when is the next flight? And they're like, you know, holy <laughs> cow. Insane. Okay, great. <laughs> so you get home that night. How do you, did you go to work the next day? Like, I did. I did the next morning. I needed to see my extended family, which was hmm. work. And uh, it, it felt cleansing. And. I just needed to go and, and realize. I felt for a long time like I was somewhat dreaming. Hmm. Like I would sit in places and I would say to myself, I'm, I'm not meant to be here. And it gives me a, a great appreciation. The key is how do you keep that feeling alive? A lot mm-hmm. of people go through near-death experiences, but they lose, they, they lose that urgency. Mm-hmm. And that's been my purpose, find all sorts of ways to remind me that this is bonus time and mm-hmm. I have to make the most out of it. Would you say that this played a role in your you know, Red Ventures and what it is today, being a behemoth? Would you say that there's a correlation there about the way you do business and thinking less fearfully in the way you do business? Yeah, for sure. I, I thought that Red Ventures, we would grow it and then sell it. And mm-hmm. I realized I wanted to live the rest of my life out of this platform and that I could do all the things that meant something to me around making a difference for others inside of the company mm-hmm. and I didn't have to retire or do it after this life. So integrating all of it for me was very clarifying. Mm -hmm. And I realized that it doesn't matter. You know, Red Ventures one day will go to zero. Drive out of Facebook right now and on the sign you see Sun Microsystems. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a privilege for me to work with people like you to have the kind of opportunities we have to learn and grow and to be in a a, a time in a place where there's so much, Mm -hmm. you know, regardless of what the media says, these are the greatest of times to be alive. And so it's been an amazing gift to get that second chance. Uh-huh. And so did that change your, the way that you parent? How did you change as a dad after that? You know, a, a lot. There's been no more humbling role in my life than being a dad because so many things that you think are right and so many things that you take as true facts are not. Mm-hmm. And as a father, you learn more about yourself than you learn in any other role. And it's been wonderful. I have... Two amazing teenagers that I, I love to tears. And, and an amazing uh, wife, Brenda. Who yeah, she's the best. Amazing person. Yeah, yeah. But it took a while for me to realize that that was my job in this world, first and foremost. I have many, many other jobs. But first and foremost, the role of a father and yeah. doing my very best to help my kids be the best version of themselves yeah. was my role. Being a successful entrepreneur, a lot of times it's, you know, you're always growing up. You can either give your life to work or give your life to family. What would you say to someone like me who wants to, to do both things? Why is it an or, not yeah. an and? It, just, it shouldn't be an or. Like I, I believe a lot of people ask me, a lot of our employees, so how do you think about mm-hmm. work-life balance? And I said, there's no such thing. Yeah. There's the integration, the harmony. you got to live in harmony between yeah. what you do 
for a living and how you live your life, and you have to yeah, mix have to them be. together. Hmm. You know, but I, I tell you, there were there were lots of great stories of just amazing people mm-hmm. in New York City just giving everything. We we got pulled into Pier Thirty Two. The bulk of us were there waiting, mm-hmm. and there's you know. They think it's terrorism. They think it's all this thing. So they're interviewing all of us. And this, you know, first responder is amazing. Like yeah. you're sitting there. It was super cold. Yeah. And there's a guy that like had a concession stand and he opened it up. He said, take whatever you want to everybody. So they, we wiped them out. Oh my God. So on my way out, I said, listen, sir, I, I would like to send you some money. I don't have my wallet. I don't have anything. But, you know, you've been incredibly generous. And you know what he said to me, Brian? He said, don't worry. I was going out of business. So it doesn't matter. Oh, my God. So here's a guy who has nothing left. It's- Right? And, and basically, probably his left of his savings, and he gave it to other people. And it reminds me of we are the best as a country when crisis is hit. And I don't know why do we Need lower crisis, ourselves yeah. to settle into what party are we from, what race are we from? Mm-hmm. Why, why does it take a crisis to be yeah. Americans above other things? And, and that moment to me was so pure. I, I felt Mm-hmm. the compassion of others and, and all of Did that. Did you ever and, hear from him again? You know, I tracked him down. We'll leave it there. <laughs> all right, we're going to take a quick break right now. I'll see you in a minute. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. So I sold the points guy in 2012 to Bankrate, which was a publicly traded company. And so it's been uh, over 18 months now that Red Ventures bought Bankrate, which I didn't even know Bankrate was for sale. And one day I get a call saying, hey, Brian, uh, we need you to talk to Rick Elias, the CEO of Red Ventures. You were in Mexico. I was in Mexico. We were filming uh, some video content for the City Prestige that was about to relaunch. And I remember they were just like, in 10 minutes, you got to talk to this guy, Rick. And I was furiously Googling you and Red Ventures and everyone's saying, oh, it's like the Google of the East Coast. I'm like, that doesn't narrow it down. What exactly do they do? So, you know, you co-founded it in 2000. It's been, you know, almost 20 years. I know there have been a lot of lifetimes, but how do you explain today what Red Ventures does? What is really fun is digitization of every industry is just starting. And we believe that there's going to be a few winners in every big industry out there that aggregates consumer interest by providing value to the consumer. So we own about 30 different kind of digital properties, the points kind of being one of them. We do deep integrations with our partners so that we can provide a much better customer experience. And over time, the bet is that we will have a data repository that will give us a competitive advantage at giving consumers what they want in our own network. Mm-hmm. So we're early in our journey. We're you know 19 years into this and Every 18 months, it feels like we're doing something different and mm-hmm. super exciting. And we have 200 employees in London and 100 in Brazil and 2,000 in the U.S. We have offices everywhere. So a bit of a mess, but a fun mess. And, and this year, I know we've acquired uh, two big brands, uh, Healthline and HigherEducation.com. Yeah. yeah. You know, probably never has been more true that <laughs> you can die of indigestion as well as starvation. <laughs> I think we got plenty going on right now. And so Red Ventures made a name for itself, really you know, working with DirecTV and having sales centers, you know, basically yeah. connecting online to offline yeah, sales, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. That 2008, 2009, 2010, you know, that was the value proposition. Mm-hmm. 
And we helped a lot of brands kind of become digitized in their acquisition. And what we realized is that it was better to own the brands and then connect deeply to the partners than mm -hmm. just to work on behalf of the partners. How have you seen the culture evolve at Red Ventures? And how would you describe our culture to someone who is an outsider? I know you had Danny Meyer here recently, and I'm friends with Danny. And I heard Danny once said about culture that it's like a shark. If it stops swimming, it dies. Mm. Our culture has changed a lot. And uh, the key, I think, for leadership is to make sure that the culture is swimming in kind of the right direction. Mm -hmm. Our fundamental belief is culture is a competitive advantage. Mm -hmm. It is hard work. It's thousands and thousands of decisions over many years. And if you're not careful, you can ruin it quickly. But if you get the right culture, you can go through a lot of evolution and change and come out on top. And I think that's our bet. And in terms of like the future, where you see Red Ventures in several years. So we have provided tons of value to our partners, huge brands. You now own brands like the Points Guy and Bankrate and Healthline. Is the future all about our own properties or is it still finding more strategic partners to work with? You know, I think it's the integrated marketplace driven by our own brands. And I think today we have 30 brands. I wouldn't be surprised if we have 50 brands. Mm -hmm. We're incubating a bunch of brands, as you know, and we have lots of plans and ideas. But, but an important element is we're a private company. We have no desire to go mm -hmm. public. And that gives us a level of freedom to do things that other companies can do. You mm -hmm. know, we, we're not preparing ourselves for a photo up moment when we're going to go public. Yep. We are going to do this and continue to do this for a long, long time. So we have this very long clock. And what is unique about that is that it allows us to behave differently. We believe that social impact out of our platform is as important as the revenue that we produce. Mm -hmm. Forward 787 is only one out of yeah. four massive social impact initiatives we have, and we're super proud of that, and there's more yeah. to come there, too. I mean, I think part of our culture is giving back. You know, we say leaving the wood pile higher than we found it. So some of the other programs that we have, like the Golden Door Scholars, yeah. I think these are really amazing programs. How did they come about? It usually start with a phone call on a Saturday where I call somebody who goes, I have an idea. And, you know, the great thing about our culture is a movement takes, you know, a follower. And once yeah. you get somebody to say, I like the idea, all of a sudden we get a movement. So Golden Door Scholars, which you mentioned, is a scholarship and mentorship program for undocumented kids, DACA kids. Mm -hmm. And we have about 350 of these kids now over the last seven years, and our graduation rate is 99%, and you know it's a payback model, so they don't have to get a loan, they don't have to do anything other than put someone else through uh, an education that needs it in the future, right? So mm -hmm. it's all pay it forward, and we believe in, in high bars. This is not a, a hand down, this is hand up, so they have to perform, they have to keep a 3.0, and they have to be super committed, and it's fun to see you know, it's about 70% females and mm -hmm. all minorities and all studying really valuable fields for the future of our mm -hmm. country. Who should work at Red Ventures and maybe who shouldn't? If, if someone's listening yeah. and saying, oh, this Red Ventures company sounds really yeah. exciting. We're on the forefront. We're very, you know, yeah. profitable yeah. and innovative. What's the mentality of someone you want to hire entry level at Red Ventures? In many ways, there's a lot of the people we have here in your office. It's super ambitious people for, for something greater than themselves. Our belief is that People stay in a company if they're growing. Mm -hmm. And when they stop growing is when they leave. So our responsibility is to make people uncomfortable by keep putting opportunities in front of them. So someone that wants to get in that kind of training, I think that we have thousands of these people now that mm -hmm. are doing amazing things at a much younger age that they would do anywhere else. What's the biggest thing you've learned by acquiring the Points Guy? We're not exactly a digital media enterprise. Our business model is different. We've got a you know very active reader base, but we spend a lot of money on brand and a lot of things we do don't necessarily make money. 
right off the bat, but we're in this long-term brand game and giving our readers, you know, tons of value. And to do that, we need really smart people. You know, the points guide to me is at the forefront of the consumer brand in our portfolio. And, you know, I, I know we're super excited about some of the stuff that you got coming out on your app and all these things. And what we've learned is that if you create value for your consumers, you, know, you can build a great business. And that's, I think, the, the epitome of what the points guy is. What do you see in, like, Five years, the Point Sky brand. Oh, we're just getting started, yeah. dude. This is. I, I I bet you five years from now we have, you know, really. I, I love the the romantic notion that we unite through travel, we unite through discovery, we unite through experiences, and mm -hmm. I think the Point Sky really is a platform to unite, but also help us dream. Mm -hmm. And we think that there's many other ways we can take this brand, and and you will be leading this effort. But this is just the beginning. Just the beginning. I can vouch for that. Rick, I just want to say thank you for, like I said, being a mentor and a friend to me and truly breathing a lot of fresh new life into the Point Sky. I mean, you know, I was proud of what we built before, but I think being a part of Red Ventures has given us new purpose and to be working with the smartest people in so many different industries, what you've created. I'm honored to be a part of. So thank you for joining Talking Points podcast today. Thanks for having me. And you know the feeling is mutual and I'm just excited about the journey ahead. Likewise. Safe travels, Rick. Thank you. That's it for this episode of Talking Points. Please make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, tune in weekly, and tell your friends. We love our listeners. And many thanks to our guest, Rick Elias, co-founder and CEO of Red Ventures. For more information on RV and Rick's work with Forward 787 and other organizations, visit redventures.com. Thanks to my amazing production team at TPG and for Rick's awesome assistant, Alexandra Garrison, and to Margaret Kelly and Caroline Chagrin of our podcast team. I'm Brian Kelly. Safe travels, everyone.